You're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. This episode's brought to you by Squarespace. A dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. Make it a reality with Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's super easy to turn your idea into a unique website. You can showcase your work, blog or publish content, or even sell products and services of all kinds just a few clicks. It really is that easy. With 24 by 7 award-winning customer support, you can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. You just don't have to worry about it with Squarespace. I want you to try it out heading over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve to save 10% off the first purchase of a website or a domain. Welcome to the Improve Photography Roundtable. You are joined by thousands of photographers who listen to this show, and we are so glad to have you. I am Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and today at the Roundtable, I have my good friend, Brent Berger. Hi, Brent. How are you? Hey, I'm doing very good. Thank you. Good. So glad to have you with me on the Roundtable today. It's, yeah, uh, it's good to be here. Normally, we want to try to have at least two people at the Roundtable with the host, but today, this was uh, this is what we could wrangle up, so, <laughs> so that's where we're going today. Uh, we have a couple of topics. Actually, it's really one main topic, but we just wanted to start off the show. We, we uh, kind of... Uh, pulled the pin on the grenade last week and, and lobbed it. it, and uh, and uh, we <laughs> we still have lots of people with questions about what is going on with the Improved Photography Podcast. So we just want to go over that. We're going to be doing this quite a bit and through June because that's kind of the target transition time frame when we hope the dust will all settle. And we'll kind of have everything figured out and be normal. But for right now, one of the primary resources you listeners can go to to kind of get questions answered is over at the new home of the podcast network. We are actively working to change the name of this podcast to the Master Photography Podcast Roundtable. And uh, from that, there'll be all the other shows are going along with it. So the, the show format's going to stay the same. And there's a whole bunch of questions that you can go get answered over at masterphotographypodcast.com. And if you do slash FAQ for frequently asked questions, then we have a whole bunch of questions that we've been hearing and the answers of what they are. And you can get there. Um, the Photo Taco Feed is the first of the shows that we've already kind of split out and it's active. So I was able to get the photo taco episode that was posted this past Monday, April 30th here in 2018. I was able to get that show uh, published out to that separate feed. We put it in this feed too, which we are going to continue to do through June. So through June 2018, all of the shows, all of the episodes will continue to go in this feed. We want to make sure that the listeners all hear what's changing and know where things are before we make any other changes out there. So if you wanted to hear the photo taco episode about the update to profiles functionality that was released with Lightroom classic CC 7.3 in early April, 2018, it's out there. It's at the photo taco feed. It was here too. So you may have heard it already, but just awareness. If you haven't resubscribed, like if you gave up on that feed, cause uh, 10 months ago we merged all the shows back into one feed um, they, we are actively working to get those split out. And if you haven't, if you unsubscribed to photo taco as a separate feed, 
you're going to want to go resubscribe to that feed because that's kind of work at this point. That's the plan that we have. Uh, the feedback from the listeners like you, we're so grateful for, uh, was that they really liked it better when the feeds, the shows were all in separate feeds rather than one feed having all the shows in it. So that's the plan right now. If you want to provide feedback and tell us that's not what you want <laughs> or what you want, uh, yeah. how to guide the show, there is an email address that you can send kind of stuff like that to. In, it's uh, info at masterphotographypodcast.com. And we'll, we'd love to have the feedback if you would uh, love to tell us your opinion about how you like the shows to be. And Brent, you're doing something special with your uh, Latitude podcast in particular, aren't you? I am. Thank you. Uh one thing to think about with all these changes, when we look at Latitude and putting it in its own feed, I do also plan to broaden it to include all the uh, landscape type items because Tripod is one of those podcasts that is remaining, I guess you can call it somewhat dormant right. uh, as we go through this process. So I'm really... Basically, I'm, I'm a landscapist. I'm a travel photographer that shoots, you know, travel landscape uh, type images. And so it's my goal to broaden uh, latitude to that. But one of the things I want to make sure listeners um, are looking for when they get uh, subscribed to those new feeds once I get all of those details figured out as far as getting that feed active and under my control and those kinds of things, I'm going to announce some fantastic giveaways. And I actually have a couple of uh, products, uh, manufacturers, I should say, that are were willing to give me a few things. And so for those that sign up for the new feed, whether you listen to on your iPhone or wherever else, we'll have the details figured out here in a couple of weeks. But I just want to let you know, uh, if you go subscribe to something now, it's my intent, of course, to, to just take over that existing feed on whichever platform you're on. But listen for those details. If for some reason something weird happens, we have to change it. But I don't think that's going to happen. We're doing pretty good. You know, Jeff has got his back with Phototaco. We anticipate the same thing to happen with Latitude to have its own. So just be listening for that, and we will uh, share more details as we're able to. Yes, right. It, as uh, I've learned a ton about the whole back end of podcasting over the yeah, last I month, <laughs> uh, it's not trivial. Uh, this this doesn't this, like it's not a very mature space, so you don't have this happen a lot where you're moving feeds in and out, and you're creating new websites, and you want to move feeds around. So um, there's ways to do it. There's certainly some provisions to it, and it's way better today than if we'd have tried to do this even three or four years ago, it would have been a, a complete disaster. But uh, there's there's some support for it now, and, and we're just kind of figuring out the ins and outs of everything that's going on. So hopefully we can avoid massive technical problems. Uh, it seems to have been fine as we did it with Photo Taco. We're going to start moving the other shows f before we move Improved Photography. We won't want that to be the last one. Um, the goal is being being that none of you have to resubscribe to the show for improved photography. It's just going to one day you're going to see it renamed Master Photography Podcast and it's going to have new album art to reflect our logo. And yeah. uh, but everything else will stay the same. Same show, same format, same hosts. Um, we'll all be taking turns being on the, at the round table to talk about photography topics. And we hope you will all stick with us through this ride. <laughs> That's right. All right. So um, I chose the topic today. And it's because, uh, in part, this was, uh, well, it, it has to do with an area that I love. Be, being a, a resident in Utah here, I love the, the national parks that we have in the state. And there's some incredible photography opportunities that are here. 
And um, there was some news related to some of the, the policies of the, the national parks and related to photography that uh, I think we covered a bit in 2017. They kind of made some announcements. And then there's some other announcements that just got made here in April 2018. And so I, I, and I didn't see it covered much on any other media, uh, photography media outlets. So I wanted to make sure we covered it here on the Improved Photography podcast. And um, it's going to take a lot of background, <laughs> a lot of foundation yeah. building to kind of explain what's going on and why I was super worried about this um, and then kind of what's changed. So let's just start off. Um, in 2017, there were three national parks and the, the, there were Arches, Canyonlands and Grand Teton. And I'm not sure how the three of them in Arches and Canyonlands were very near each other in Utah. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I can see kind of why they were grouped together, but why Grand Teton was lumped in with them, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. that happens. But the three of them, regardless, kind of came together and they decided together that they were going to ban light painting. Um, and in 2017, they were just we're done. And in fact, they went further than that. And they were going to ban all night photography at all in 2017. And it, it was a very disturbing trend because um, astrophotography is something that people all over the world came to these parks to it, more particularly arches and Canyonlands, and arches probably the, the most of any uh, to do astrophotography. And they, there's some unique landscapes, there's dark skies, we're going to talk more about that in a second. But it was a very disturbing trend. Did you even hear about that, Brent? I did a, just a little bit. Like you said, it really wasn't talked about much in other channels. So it wasn't something that was, for some reason, it just didn't come across my radar screen very much. So a lot of this is actually somewhat, you know, I'm glad we're talking about it because it's almost a, it's a news to me kind of a thing as well. So. Good, good. Okay, so I, I hope it'll be, I know we've talked <clears throat> a lot about, uh, being respectful of national parks so that we don't lose them or at least we're not locked out of them. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and it's a, it's a passion that a lot of people have. And unfortunately there's a lot of people that are not being respectful and it's really becoming a challenge for the parks, not just with photographers, just with the number of tourists that are visiting them annually. It's, it's growing like crazy and they're having a hard time keeping up with the demand, keeping everything protected and, and doing a good job with it all. So, I mean, who knows where it's going to end up? They, not even just photography related. We may have permits that you're going to have to get at some point. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see where it goes. But we, we want, I wanted to outline a little bit more of the detail here about kind of what happened and uh, why this is such a, was a big deal to me anyway. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope it'll be a big deal to a lot of people. So let's get a, a little more detail here. So the, the first thing is with Arches in particular and why it's kind of such a, a hot destination for astrophotographers worldwide. It's, uh, it's not just a place that Utahns go to for sure, or, or even in the Southwest here. It's a place, it's a destination worldwide. And that's because of two factors. The first is it's in a, an area that is remote enough from major cities that the, there's not a lot of light pollution near in, in Arches. Um, the closest city is Moab in Utah. And um, there's a scale that has been created the, called the Bortle scale. It's a numbered one through nine scale developed by John Bortle. And I'm not going to go into the details about it. there's a whole bunch of math and, you know, he's figured out a way to quantify this. But that's kind of more of a topic for Phototaco to go into that level of detail. But, but what, what the, we have is Moab at the very center of the city. It only gets up to a four out of the nine on the Bortle scale. So that's really small for a city. 
in the first place. And then when you go into Arches, which so Moab is south of Arches, then um, you, the the bottom third, about a third of of Arches National Park, is uh, of a three. It's all it's, it goes down to a Bortle scale of three, so that's even less light pollution. And then the top two thirds of the park is all the way down to a two. Um, which there's only room to go down a tiny bit from there. And that's, that's yeah. really amazing for how little light pollution. And that really brings out the stars in the sky. The more light pollution there is, as you go up that Bortle scale, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, the less and less you're going to see of stars. And, uh, you know, even though in, in the middle of a big city, you can look straight up in the sky and you can see some stars, it's amazing the difference that you can see when you go out to lower light and just, it's like, wow, who turned on all the stars? <laughs> Have you seen that before, Brent? Absolutely. I, you know, I just looked up as you're talking, the population of Moab is about 5,200 people. Right. Certainly there's more stuff there than just 5,200 people oh, because yeah. of all the tourism and what happens there. But, you know, I kind of think too, I live actually just a few miles from our state prison and a couple <laughs> years ago, we had uh, some kind of budget issue going on. They actually had a full-on lockdown, which meant they turned the lights off on the prison. Uh-huh. And that was actually kind of scary because all of a sudden, like, hey, you know, I can't see anything. <laughs> uh, and um, all of a sudden, there's some stars. And I was like, that's kind of nice. So yeah. I definitely know what we're talking about. When we reduce that light, all of a sudden, those stars just come out. It's really nice. It is. It's amazing. It's it's a massive difference when you can get a low Bortle number in a location. It really dramatically improves your astrophotography. So yeah. so there's that factor that you, you have it in a place where there's not a lot of light pollution. The other factor is this is a location that has a very unique landscape to it. Uh, there is not really another place in the world that's that's very similar. There's some, I guess there's, there's some places that are maybe kind of close, but it is so different that there's this story that you can't, if you've ever gone to Zion National Park, uh, which is not one of the parks we've talked about here, but it's really close nearby too. Um, if you've ever gone there, you probably can't go there without hearing this story um, where there was a, an artist who trained in Europe for a bit, uh, learned how to paint. And then he, he visited, I don't know what brought him to Zion National Park, but he, he visited there and he painted a number of portraits or a number of paintings and took them to the 1904 World Fair in St. Louis. Hmm. And when he put them on display, everyone was kind of congratulating him, like, oh, those are some beautiful paintings of fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> because they didn't believe that those were real settings, that, that arches like that existed and that the land yeah. could look so red and... Uh, and the, just the way that the landscape is in that area, it's a completely unique environment. So the two things together, this very, very unique landscape and this uh, lack of light pollution makes it just an ideal place to go do some incredible oh, yeah. Milky Way and astrophotography. And unfortunately, that started to get threatened. So let's, let's talk about why that is. Um, one of the techniques I mentioned earlier on a way to kind of improve your uh, your lands your astrophotography is to try to get the landscape to be lit. Um, it's even at at like a, a fifteen second shutter speed, uh, to, so you can capture the stars and try to get as much light out of those stars as possible. Unless the moon is in the right spot and kind of helping to light the foreground, that foreground's still not going to be very lit. It's yeah. still very, very dark, and it's still cool. It's still really fun to get shots where the landscape is not lit. But like everything in photography, it's all about the light. 
And if you can get some light on that landscape, that's something that can help you just, you know, make your photo stand out from somebody else's because that took a little more work to make as you Definitely. get there. So one of the techniques is light painting. And this, the concept here is you have a, a really high lumen flashlight, or I guess a lot of people in the world call them torches. And, um, and it, it's going to, of course, only light a very small area of the landscape at a time, but you kind of sweep the light across the, the landscape as that shutter is open. If you have a 15-second shutter, uh, then you have 15 seconds to kind of sweep that light over the landscape and, and try to add some light to the foreground and improve your shot. Um, have you ever done that, Brent? Have you ever done light yeah. painting? You betcha. I did it once in Arizona, but um, yeah, I can also use my flash. So you can take your camera flash and just punch it as well. It can do the same kind of idea. It's just a different effect. Sure. But one thing to be thinking about, too, as you're thinking about this technique, providing something for that foreground is totally what sets the, the essence of that place that you're capturing. Because, uh, you know, almost anyone, as long as you have a dark sky, you can go get the Milky Way. But giving you that sense of place, that's what your foreground is about, whether you're doing a silhouette of something or, in this case, lighting it up with a flashlight or flash. Sure. And there's some other techniques. You could do something like, you know, have a really long shutter speed, an hour yeah. or something. And, yeah, the stars are going to move, but then you could composite the two together. And there's some other ways to try to, to get that light in there. But this is a pretty popular technique because it, yeah. it shortens the time significantly. For sure. Um, I have a special flashlight I bought to do this because I, I like this technique. I, I've uh, tried to do it a, a number of times. So it's a high-lumen one. It has, uh, it's deliberately engineered to have kind of a very even light that it produces so that you don't have, like, a hot spot in the middle of the light. Uh, versus up to the edges you can yeah, control that, the the span of it how it's going that would um, be important otherwise you're going to get just this trail of this very hot spot yeah yeah that then has this you know vignette almost but it's just this trail of all that and for the right subject of course anything can work but that's probably not what you want you want it overall illuminated it, then you can control it with where you're where you're shining it where you're painting it across. Yeah, and I've done it enough where I've even found there's kind of an art to it because even though uh, I, I have this light that's that's even, um, because you're sweeping it across things, if you go over an area two or three times, now yeah. that becomes a hot spot too. And it's, it's building so it's, up. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's kind of tough to do. And I practiced it enough. I'm, I'm decent at it now. There's certainly people that know how to do it better than I do. Um, and it's kind of fun, but you can imagine if you have this really high powered lumen light <laughs> and you're potentially with a whole group of photographers, maybe leading a workshop or something that at 3 a.m. outside your tent, that wouldn't be very fun to have if you were a camper, <laughs> No, <laughs> not with the photography group and they're doing this. So there were problems with this happening and it started to become big enough that the parks just kind of, and these three in particular, just kind of got together and thought, said, it is not worth the issues that these have. It's really easy for us to justify just banning it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't need this kind of trouble. Uh, we really kind of want to reduce the traffic flow anyway, because it's getting overwhelming just in general. And if this is a, an easy one to pick off and say, well, yeah, we don't need this. So uh, yeah, they, in January of 2017, Arches and Canyonlands, they gave word to commercial use authorization permit holders. So they call them CUAs, commercial use authorization, where they have this process. You can get a permit and there's a fee involved and you're going to commit to some rules and a whole bunch of requirements there. But it was possible to get a permit. That means you can go lead a workshop in these parks and you, they were doing it at night. In fact, most of them were doing it at night. It was mm -hmm. They weren't doing it during the day. 
And they, they contacted them in January 2017, and they said, you can't do this at night anymore. Just period. No night shooting. Doesn't matter lighting, what you're doing. You can't do anything at night. Um, and it led to, I do, and this is a part I do remember seeing in kind of the, a, a lot of the photography media outlets was news that the national parks were banning night photography. It wasn't all of them. There were these few that were doing it. Um, but that really, like the, the people that run these workshops and got these permits, of course, were very upset. They paid for these permits. They went through the process to get them. And yeah. now they're being told they can't use them. Um, now, did this happen? Because I remember something about one of these parks was banning tripod use on the trails. Yes. Yeah, so did did this happen at roughly that same time? I think I it was something about nighttime. And yeah. Like, oh, we can't. You know, we live with our tripods when we're doing nighttime photography. Right. And, and I, I think it kind of came out during that time. And there were some others besides these three that I mentioned that I think had that. That some of them I think still have a standing policy, like. The only place you can use a tripod's in the parking lot. You can't take it into the yeah. out of the parking lot. Stuff like that. I think there may be some some policies. <laughs> it's kind of interesting how it's kind of dependent. It's up to the park at this point. Still, there's yeah. not there's not a, a federal <laughs> policy governing these things. At least with regard to these these pieces, they they seem to be able to kind of just decide on their own how they're going to handle it. Yeah. Um, so but I think I should clarify. That was no tripods for workshops on trails. Right, it was individuals. We don't. Still we want. We don't want a gaggle of twenty photographers yeah. going storm, stomping out into the landscape and yeah. ruining vegetation and and causing other damage. Um, yeah, they're they're okay with one person at a time, kind of things. Anyway, here here's exactly what. Uh, well, with all the feedback, with all of this this concern that people like ah why you can't just take away these these permits we we want to be able to do this so what they 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 did is the uh very soon towards the end of the month in january 2017 so it was only a few weeks later um the uproar caused uh the concessions management specialist his name was michael hill and he he wrote this back to them he said some folks have voiced no concern about the change while a few others stated that all they do is night photography and that change would be devastating for 2017, we will continue to allow night use in the Still Photography Instruction CUA for canyon lands and arches, as we have done in the past. Light painting, however, has been an issue with our park nighttime visitors, and we still feel that does not have a commercial place in the park. For 2018, I'm open for dialogue. If that night use will continue, feel free to email me at your comment with your comments. So mm. they they allowed the the commercial permits. To go and do night courses, but you couldn't do any artificial lighting, just nothing. Yeah, it's too bad, but and, it's understandable too. Oh yeah, yeah, and and then it was. Um, we'll talk about it if we're going to allow this in 2018. So the writing was on the wall that not only was there not going to be any artificial light allowed, but they're going to kill night photography in 2018. The only reason they backtracked even a bit was because they issued these permits, and so they felt right. like they had to be honor them, and they had to have this discussion for 2018. Mm-hmm. So that sets the stage for kind of the news that why I wanted to bring this up in this episode. And um, so we're going to talk about what came in April of 2018. Um, I didn't see it again. This It's April 2018 news that I didn't see covered much by other photography media outlets. So I want to make sure we do it here. First, though, I want to take a break and thank the sponsors for this episode. So happy to have today's show up, uh, sponsored by Squarespace. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. 
Squarespace provides beautiful templates created by world-class designers, and it's something that's very noticeable when you compare it to sites built by other providers. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. You can customize everything. You can determine what level of involvement you want to have with the design of your website, from your look and feel to the selling of your products, all optimized for mobile, which is just so critical right now. If you don't make a good first impression on someone with a mobile device, well, you're not getting a second chance at it. You can make sure that people are seeing your site and finding it with the search engine optimization that's built into the product. Plus, you can show your work, blog, or publish content, announce a special project, even sell products and services of all kinds, just a few clicks. It is really made simple by Squarespace. Then you can use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. You get a real partner that's with you, helping you to make sure your website is growing and developing as you are. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. You just don't have to worry about that with Squarespace. Though, if you do have a question, you have Squarespace's award-winning 24 by 7 customer support team there to back you up and help you through the process in whatever it is you're doing to realize your business goals and objectives. Keep dreaming, but make it a reality with a website from Squarespace. I want you to go try it out for free. Squarespace.com improve. That's squarespace.com improve for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, make sure to use the offer code improve so you get that extra 10% off the first purchase of a website or domain. So one more time, that's squarespace.com improve and offer code improve when you launch your site. We also want to thank improvephotography.com for sponsoring this episode. So glad that we have the, the partnership we do with Jim and the Improve Photography team. We love Improve Photography website and they have constant updates and articles that are going up daily that, uh, that you need to make sure you're checking out. If you're a photographer who needs help and you're at kind of the beginning of your journey, or if you are someone who's far more advanced in, in your photography career, Either way, there are really solid articles and blog posts out there at improvephotography.com that's going to help you to improve your photography. They're a valued portion of our master photography podcast team, and we're so glad to have them. So thanks again to Jim Harmer and the Improve Photography team over at improvephotography.com. Okay, so there are a couple of very passionate astrophotographers. Uh, I've met one, I haven't met the other. Um, the, their names are Royce Bear and Wayne Pinkston. And I, Royce, I'm pretty sure Royce lives in Utah. I don't know about Wayne. Um, they are two of the more well-known photographers who lead workshops in these areas, in these parks. So they were extremely passionate. <laughs> their businesses were threatened by the, no <laughs> these doubt. decisions. And, uh, and so they, they were lobbying like crazy to, uh, to change this policy, change the direction of where these were headed, um, not only for them and, of course, their businesses and what they're doing, but just thinking of all the other photographers who would no longer be able to take these incredible images that are possible in these theme, par in theme parks, <laughs> in these, in these <laughs> national parks. They would be theme parks to me. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so, so Royce runs a very informative blog that if you have any inkling of wanting to do astrophotography, you need to check out. And that's intothenightphoto.blogspot.com. So Into the Night Photography is his blog, and he has a lot of information about how to do astrophotography. He has a lot of information about uh, these parks in specific, and, um, and he's been kind of 
documenting the process that he's gone through. So since that date in January 2017, he and Wayne have been lobbying the administrators of the park. And in particular, what they were lobbying was a technique that they kind of... uh, I haven't seen it really thought brought up anywhere else. It's kind of expanded upon, but I believe they're kind of the originators of the technique. And it's something called low level lighting. And so they've been lobbying saying, we totally get why it is that the light painting is a problem. We understand that is not good for the people who are intense there at the campsite or maybe the wildlife even um, having this bright light kind of uh, sweeping across the area it's, uh, multiple times. It, it wouldn't, you don't do this just once because you'll take a shot and you're like, yep, that wasn't enough or I got it too hot there or whatever it might be. Usually, at least when I've done it, it's a good 10, 15, 20 shots that you're doing trying mm-hmm. to get it right. Um, so they're, they're saying, we know, we understand that that's a problem. That's not how we do this. <laughs> and they have a whole different technique. And um, it's, it's actually, I think, easier to do and it produces more consistent and better results than the light painting does. So they've been working with them. And in April, 2018, both arches and Canyonlands officially approved this low lighting level technique as an allowed standard for commercial still photography instruction. So that means they are saying you can bring your workshops, you can come into the park. You have to get that CUA permit still, but you can come in there and you can use this low lighting level technique that is approved. You can do artificial lighting and we can get these very cool images with the foreground, the foreground lit. And so that's great. Well, good for them. That's awesome. Yeah. They, they were able to, to make that happen. Uh, Grand Teton is not on board with that. <laughs> that's too bad. It is. So they are still allowing night photography. They're still going to allow, I, I didn't see specific whether the, the work groups are allowed or not, but I presume that's the case. But they are still sticking to their guns saying no artificial lighting can be used at all. It doesn't matter what it is. You cannot use artificial lighting to light up these landscapes. So, uh, but at least night photography is allowed. And uh, so that's good because I could see if, if these three parks and maybe others were considering, but if they got it and they successfully banned night photography, then I can only imagine it wouldn't take very long for all the parks in in the United States to adopt the same policy. just would make sense that that would happen. So I'm glad that we have a couple of parks, well, three, that did take back that stance and and we are allowed to do night photography there. Uh, Okay, low lighting level techniques. So I, I do want to describe kind of in brief what it is that low lighting is compared to light painting. Um, if you really want to get the information, though, you need to go to uh, lowlevellighting.org is the website, and there'll be links to all these resources that we mentioned in our show notes. Um, you can go there, and there's, there's some good resources available. They kind of have a very basic discussion about what it is. I'm going to see if I can get Royce to come on Photo Taco and really kind of detail out the technique, give the ins and outs of what to do there. I think a, a lot of photographers would be super interested in that. So I'm going to see mm-hmm. if I can get him to come on the show. You bet. Um, but um, here, here's kind of just basically what it is. It's very simple. Um, I, again, I think it's easier than light painting. And so it starts off with what you, you're using instead of a big high lumen flashlight is uh, a little tiny light panel. And on they really have to be very dim because it's going to be constant lighting. It's not just going to be sweeping across the scene for a few seconds. It's going to be constantly on. So usually you get these little panels and you turn them all the way down. 
uh, he says it's best to locate the light about 45 to 60 degrees off to the side of the camera. Um, and it's really advantageous to, to get them uh, at least 100 feet from the focal point of the landscape, if, if you can. The farther the lights are from the focal point, the more uniform that light becomes, which is just normal light theory. Sure. Um, and then you want to get the lights off the ground if you can. So having them on a tripod, if you have to pack in, then something like a, a 42 to 50 inch um, tripod that you can put it up, mount the light on is, is a good way to go. Better is light stands. They just tend to be super heavy and not very transportable. So if you have to hike in, they're not really a great option. But if they, if you can get the lights 10 to 15 feet up off the ground, that's even better. So these are like little LED yeah. light panels that are battery powered. And basically you can just put it on this stand. You can crank it up all the way high and then you walk back to your tripod and you start working the scene. Yeah. They, they even suggest you don't crank them up that, that you put well, them on the lowest setting. I mean, crank them up as in height. Oh, sorry. Physical yes. height. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. High, as high as you can possibly get them. Yeah. And and have them illuminate the the foreground. Yeah. This is where it's too bad. The there's no drone flying in the park. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would definitely not go. That <laughs> not would be fly. awesome. <laughs> yeah, nighttime drone. I got. They. I. I haven't seen anything specifically says you can't do that. But if they don't allow a flashlight to sweep across, there's no way a, a no. noisy drone's going to be allowed no. to to fly up in the air. Well, yeah, drones are just not allowed without some kind of special permit anyway. It's right, just like, right. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> this would make our lives so much easier. So these panels, you know, I, oh I mentioned well. they're, um, they're not huge. Um, the ones that, that uh, Royce recommends, they're five inches wide, three inches high. They're, they're really small. Nice. They do have between 100 and 200 little tiny LED bulbs in them. And, uh, and like you said, they're, they, they prefer AA batteries in the lights because then you don't have anything to charge. And you, if, you, if you're out there for three hours uh, doing a shoot, that's actually going to probably last three hours anyway. But if you run out, you can pack uh, six more AA batteries with you pretty easily and just yeah. switch them out and, and you're good to go for another three hours or however long they last. Um, yeah, you have a question? No, I just that sounds great. Yeah. It's just... Um they're, the the fact that they're so small is what really intrigues me because I'm not interested in carrying something right, you know, right. big and heavy out there. Uh, the only thing you have to worry about is how do you get this thing up? And, you know, yeah. even if you had a, a buddy holding it, you know, maybe you have a stick or something and you can attach it to the stick. Uh, possibly that might work for you too. So there's there's options besides just a, a light stand or whatever too. Sure. You might be able to find some rocks around you know, or some ledges yeah. potentially yeah, sure. leveraging a landscape that might help mm -hmm. but yeah bringing in some kind of a stand to put them on to be a, a a good thing or a person although standing there holding them would I, that won't work <laughs> yeah. for three hours that's not good no um, one of the models they recommend uh, since I'm sure listeners will want to know is the newer uh, 160 LED CN 160 dimmable ultra high power panel which is too much of a mouthful for people to remember. So we'll make sure we have a link in the show notes. It's only 30 bucks a light. So two of them, because you, you want one on each side of the camera to help illuminate. And, uh, and maybe a couple of uh, tripods to take with you to put them up on and you're good to go. And it's a really cool technique to really make night landscape photography just much better. Really cool to, to light up that scene. Even though you can achieve a similar effect with compositing and putting together two shots, this is really cool to get it in one. I like it a lot. 
okay, so there you go. That's that's the big news I wanted to talk about, make yeah. sure everyone was aware of. And that's uh, cool. It was good. And I'm I'm looking at this. I'm just trying to determine what the white balance is. It says it's um. It says you can reduce the color temperature to 3200. So yeah, and and uh, Royce points out in his blog that most of these also come with a filter you can put on top for white balancing. Yeah. Most yeah. of them uh, tend to be way too blue in the light source. So oh, I would think so. Yeah. So you're you're gonna put a yellow gel over the top of the uh, of the light, and they come with them. Most of these have that included in the 30 That's bucks. That's awesome. That's great. So. Yeah, I might might be getting a, a couple of those. That looks pretty good. <laughs> Go it's give it tempting. a try. It's yeah, tempting. I mean, if, if you're a landscape shooter, you may as well buy a couple of these and put them in your bag. And then if you don't have the tripods, you just put them on the ground and do the best you can. And yeah. see, see, go play with it. See how it works. See how it goes. But exactly. um, they have some. Uh, if you go to their their resources there that I mentioned, uh, there's some incredible shots that <laughs> you can see, and uh, and it's cool. It's very very cool stuff. All right. So we end every episode with doodads of the week. Brent, what do you have for us? I have something that's not purely photography related. It's called Remarkable. It's a tablet, and it's not like an ipad or anything like that though it's about the size of an ipad but it's got a, a surface of a standard kindle with the e-paper type surface but the benefit of this type of tablet is it's not tied to any uh service like the kindle or anything like that but they're really trying to uh enhance the idea that it's for someone who's into sketching and creating artwork uh, so it's a, it's a sketching type tablet and I'm playing around with it. I'm not completely sold on it, but it's really cool. I am liking it so far. It's just, it's a little bit on the expensive side of things. It's about $500. Uh, but it does read the ebook, the EPUB format. So if you have open EPUBs, you can read those. It reads, uh, PDFs as well. And that's another thing I'm going to test it out with is because it's very natural for the writing aspect of it. And I have yet to try and put for instance, if I were to be on a workshop and I wanted to have people sign a release form, uh, this would be a fantastic way of doing it. And I don't have all those different papers to worry about. Uh, but of course, it's just another tablet I have to worry about then. But it can do so much more. So I'm liking it. But it's, again, it's uh, not purely photography related, but it's pretty cool. Cool. So one of those that you're not quite sure yet on, though. Yeah, it's... It's growing on me. I have. <laughs> okay. uh, they, they allow you two weeks to, to return it. Uh, it's a company in Norway, and then it's shipped directly from Hong Kong. So if I have to return it, I imagine I'm shipping it back to Norway. But anyway, um, just the fact that I can utilize this, I can use this for sketching, and it's not as big as any sketchbook, uh, that is the reason I wanted to try it out because it is definitely smaller than your average sketchbook. Very good. All right, my doodad, also not entirely photography-related, so I hope we didn't fail the listeners here. <laughs> um, this one's kind of a crossover, and, and I think it still does very much apply to uh, to a lot of the listeners, especially those of you out there that are running your own small business as if you are doing full-time photography, that's exactly what you're doing. Um, so this crossover kind of between my day job, I'm an information security professional by day, and um, I'm going to recommend two-factor authentication. So this is that fairly annoying thing that you can set up where you don't just put in your username and password when you're logging into a service of some kind, but you're also asked to put in like a, a several-digit number as part of the login process at some point and, uh, before it'll let you in. And, and that number changes every within like 
between 15 and 30 seconds, something like that. It's, you got you have some thing that's going to show you a number that's changing that often, and you have to put in the number before it changes and uh, to log in. So um, there's two things I want to recommend that you really want to make sure you protect. The first one is your email. Um, email is the lifeblood of your services because mm-hmm. you set up your email as like the way to, to do a password reset. If you forgot your password on some website, there's always a way to go and reset your password, almost always through email. And so if someone has control of your email, they can get anything else from there. It's it's really going to be a problem if they get control of your email. So I, I really recommend that you can do that. If you use Google as your email service, they have a fantastic Google Authenticator app that you can get on your phone so that you can do this as easily as is possible. It's still kind of painful, yes, because you have to go look up this number before you can log in. You can do things like have it remember your browser and not ask again and stuff. But if you use Gmail, go get Google Authenticator and, fig- and, and go sign up. Go change the settings on your Google, your Gmail account to use two-factor authentication. It's, it's really dramatically improves the security of your account. Microsoft has a similar solution. They have an Authenticator app too. So if you're using a Microsoft email, um, then you can do that. Um, the other thing that you should go look at is your banking bin. That would be the second place where I'd say at minimum on those two things, on your email and on your banking, you want to, if it's an option, to set up two-factor authentication. And it'll, it just it improves the security of your accounts so much. I just I, I could go entire podcast episodes just talking <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely, if my bank did it, that's, that's definitely one where I would do it. And I actually use this, uh, I use a, a email marketing platform and they offer the Google Authenticator as an option for sure, that. So yeah. every two weeks I have to do it. It's not it's not every time I log in, but every two weeks it demands a new cookie in my browser for it. Uh-huh. Or if I go to a new browser, then it needs it as well. Yeah, I have it turned on on every service that provides it. If they offer yeah. it, I've turned it on. And yeah, it does mean that I've been like, oh, guys, I got to go look up that number now and put it in. But I'm also really glad because that means a bad guy ha- has like even if they manage to get my password, then they, it's really hard for them to get that, and I'm protected, yeah. so it's good. And at least Google has done a great job with Authenticator. Yeah, They've made yeah. a good job of making it easy. It is, really So easy. that's nice. You have the extra security, but it is easy. Yep. If your bank doesn't provide it, contact them and say you want it. There you go. All right, so a uh, couple of reminders, and then we'll, we'll wrap up this episode. Masterphotographypodcast.com is the new home for this show. So you're going to want to make sure you kind of bookmark that and check it out. We're going to double post um, from now till June between improved photography and master photography. Make sure everyone gets the word that things are changing out there. But come June-ish, we hope we have all the technical details worked out and you will stop seeing the, the episodes published over at improved photography. They'll only be at masterphotographypodcast.com. So the show notes uh, will be there only at by the end of June, we hope. <laughs> well, and, and don't forget the improved photography website because the writers are still Absolutely. contributing there. That's a, that is now a separate issue. And so it's important to highlight that it's only the podcast that is something that's, that's I guess you can say, moving on. But right. the, the improved photography website is still there, uh, effectively mostly normal. It's, it's only, like you said, the show notes are going to yeah, yeah. uh, eventually stop being published there. And then Improved Photography Plus is still uh, alive and kicking. So, Absolutely. Uh, those are the things we just extra careful where um, 
highlighting that. For Absolutely. You guys. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is that is certainly true. We, we still have a very good relationship with Jim and the improved photography folks, the writers that are there. They're doing quality work, really good stuff that you're going to want to check out all the time. In fact, a couple of those writers, I'm actually going to have them on Latitude. Sure. Again, I don't know when. Uh, I haven't quite scheduled everything yet, but I, I'm going to have a couple of those writers on Latitude anyway. So uh, we're going to talk about some good things they're writing about. So it'll be nice. Perfect. Yeah. Make sure you still check out improvephotography.com. Uh, it's still a great way to improve your photography. Okay. Facebook group. want to quickly mention that. It's called Improve Photography Podcast Group right now. At some point, we will rename it Master Photography Podcast. But for now, that's what it is. And uh, to keep the bots out... You do have to answer. You have to ask to join the group, and you do have to answer a question naming a host of the show on the network. So either of our names will work, Jeff Harmon and Brent Bergham. Either one of them you can put in there, and then we'll immediately we'll know this is an actual listener. They've actually heard at least one podcast, and and they can answer the question. We'll let you in. But uh, but without it, we just boy we were attacked by spam and stuff. So had to do that. You can find my work jsharmonphotos.com is my portfolio website and the photo taco podcast you can find over at phototacopodcast.com brent where can people find you uh my personal website is brentbergherm.com i do have a couple of workshops i want to highlight uh for the ireland workshop i've had so many people contact me with lots of interest i just so i decided i'm going to go ahead and extend the deadline because the deadline was um a day or two ago uh, for signing up, but I can still uh, give it another two weeks or so, I think it is. So take a look at the website under the Travel With Me section, and you'll see Ireland. That is in the very tail end of June, trying to pack it in just before we get too busy into the summer. And then uh, Croatia at the beginning of September, two different items there. And if you're, I, I was talking with someone a while back, you know, like they were wondering, why would I want to go to Croatia? Uh, Quite frankly, I hope you look it up or look at my website. I've got plenty of pictures there from Croatia. The waterfalls are gorgeous. The landscape is amazing. The cities are awesome. The seascapes, delightful. Everything about it is just oozing awesomeness. So I'm just really excited. Both Ireland and Croatia are just delightful places to shoot. Of course, BrentRentsLenses.com. That's something I think in, in some respects I'm one of the worst marketers in the world because I keep forgetting <laughs> about these things. But I also feel like I don't want to be hounding people, knocking them over the head with stuff. But uh, predominantly Canon gear, but I do have a, uh, some select Nikon gear and a couple of Fuji pieces as well. So BrentRentsLenses.com. And then for the podcast, LatitudePhotographyPodcast.com. I think I've got one page up. Uh, so you can look at the one or two pages. That's uh, certainly a work in progress uh, as we're rolling out the uh, the new feed for the podcast. Yeah, all of it's going to be better by June. <laughs> but, you betcha. But we're going to need uh, from now till June. Uh, here we are in, in uh, early May 2018. So next 60 days, things should get much better. Lots better. All right. Well, listeners, we thank you so much for joining us for the Improved Photography Podcast. And we will see you in another seven days.